Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChampaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. There's a cat over here. There's a cat over there. And the wrong one died. And the wrong one died. Welcome to the Wrong Cat Tide, the podcast breaking down the cast ash I'm your host, Mike Abrams, and today we have another amazing guest. This summer, he was the magical Mr. Mistopheles in the City Springs Theater Company regional production of Cats. Before that, he was Mr. Mistopheles on the international tour and Mungo Jerry in the West End revival of Cats. So welcome, Harry Francis, and thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to have you here. We're actually live, which is fun. also makes this way more fun because it's uh, rare that we get to do it these days. Most of this is virtual, but I always got to start at the beginning, the very beginning of your Cats history. Yes. When did you first see it? When was your first experience with it? Like, let's get from the the very first time you saw it. So, um, my first performances of Cats were age six for my parents dumping around the living room, trying to be Jacob Brent. So <laughs> that was my first introduction. I actually remember, I want to say, did Hey Mr. Producer come up first? Maybe that was my introduction where I saw a bit of it on the Cameron Macintosh celebration. But I, I remember when the film came out, the 98 film came out. And... I remember very clearly going to Apollo, which was a bit like Blockbuster. It was our UK mm-hmm. um, video store and convinced that the first day it comes out, age six, that this is where I can go and get it. And of course, they had no idea what I was talking yeah. about. So I remember very clearly marching my mom and saying, we have to go because I want to see this film. Anyway, we got hold of the VHS and I was obsessed. I watched it day in, day out. My parents must have gone crazy <laughs> hearing it on repeat in the background. But I was so drawn to its theatricality. Um, I was so inspired by the dancing. Um, but yeah, I was, you know, like a lot of kids, I was just obsessed with it. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, it was, it was, and I've been so fortunate over the years to have met and have worked with so many people who were in that film. And every time I'm always a bit starstruck. So that was my introduction. And then years and years, and years later, I, uh, I auditioned if I, I was, I nearly did the show a few times. I was offered a, a, a track as a swing in the German production in the tent tour, which I didn't end up taking. But there was always a part of me that was just desperate to do the show. Um, and yeah, so when, when they, had the, they had the production on at the London Palladium, and that was the first time I saw the show live, and it felt like living that childhood dream again, seeing mm-hmm. the whole show come to life. And I was so sad that it was coming off, and I thought, oh, that's such a shame. I wish I could have been a part of this. 
And then I was auditioning for something else and our pianist um, for the audition walked out of the room and I overheard him talking to someone else and he said, yeah, I'm playing for the Cats um, revival and uh, yeah, they're going to close the show, take it out of town, then bring it back in again. And suddenly I didn't care about the audition I was about to go in for. Yeah. I think it was Seven Brides, Seven Brothers. Suddenly I, I didn't care about that. I was suddenly thought, all I want to do is be in Cats. So I auditioned for it and I was auditioning for Mistopheles, Skimbleshanks and Munger Jerry. Eventually got the job but um playing Mungo Jerry and understudying Skimbleshanks which was so exciting um however there was always a part of me that was desperate to play Mistopheles yeah. um especially as that was such a big inspiration to me but I had the best time playing Mungo Jerry in Blackpool and then we went back to the London Palladium did a great run there and then I thought my time in the junkyard was done I you know I would have loved to have gone back but I moved on to other things and thought, okay, well, that was a lovely part of my career. And then years later, they were taking the tour out to China. And for some reason, they couldn't find a manga Jerry. And I happened to be doing a ballet class next to where they were doing the auditions. And I saw the casting director. And as I walked out the studio, I get a phone call saying, hey, um, are you available? Could you come and play manga Jerry? And I, I thought about it. And I thought, I want to do the show again, but I want to go back as something else. So I said, look, I would love to come back, but please consider me for something else in the future. Mm-hmm. And luckily, the guy they had lined up to play Mistopheles got offered another job a few weeks before starting. And without even auditioning me, they just called me up and said, can you jump in and do it? So I, yeah, I got asked to go into the, into the show. So I went over and I did the tour in China. So we went to Wuhan, Nanjing, Shanghai, Beijing uh wushi and then we went to the philippines afterwards and singapore and then covid happened so um so that happened and then uh during the pandemic i made this film cats in quarantine which had 333 cast members from around the world who had been in the show and my reason for that was because i was planning to go back to the tour during 2020 and i never got my final performance with that tour because I left the tour thinking, I'm going to be back in a few months doing it again. So I never had closure. So I thought, I want to do something for myself to celebrate um, my time on the show. And it was such a great project. It took me nine weeks to make. So if you haven't seen the film, check it out, Cats in Quarantine. Um, and, but also, for me, it was a big celebration of Gillian Lynn. Although they had named a theatre after her in London, I didn't think in her final years she was celebrated in the way she should have been. Hmm with the show being re-choreographed and lots of changes being made and having been the f- one of the final companies um, to work with her, like anyone who worked with her, I had so much love and respect for her and I wanted to celebrate her work. So I made that film and then moved to the US and uh, so I moved here a year ago and my first professional performing job here um, was doing Cats again, but this time directed by, by Oakley. And the majority of the show, uh, I want to say about 80% of the show was the original choreography. It was Gillian Lynn's and Bayok directed the show and added her own um, uh, moments to it. And she did a great McCavity fight and a few other sections, which was fun. And Jacob Brent came in to teach Gillian Lynn's work, which was so exciting getting to work with the guy who mm-hmm. inspired me to dance. So it was a great full circle. And as it was only 15 performances... It was really nice to go for the version of Mistopheles that would have maybe been too hard to do eight shows a week. Mm-hmm. I thought, I'm going to give every single trick, jump, extra thing that I ever wanted to do in this number. 
So we added even more into it. So it was great to go, I can handle this. My body can handle 15 yeah. performances. <laughs> and it was a great production. It was great. That was a very long answer to your first question. I love it. Because um, there's a lot of things that I have follow-ups on. So okay. we'll, we'll tackle these individually. Sure. Um, I also think like, I, oh, I guess I'll start with the, the Cats in Quarantine was pretty early on in me doing this as well. You know, I started this podcast leading up to, to the 20, 2019 movie. Mm. And so I kind of was going to end it. And then it kind of kept going because people started continuing to want to interview with me. And, sure. And it was, I got sent this. And I remember we chatted yeah. in probably 2020. Mm -hmm. And here we are today in 2023, finally getting this to work. Yeah. But we talked originally because of that video. And so yeah. I was so glad to be able to make this work. And it was one of those things I was like, Man, this is still going everywhere. Like everyone, there's so many people in there's, it. And there's no end to a cat's journey. It's now in front of I know. It goes on forever. As I keep recording these, I'm like, yep, I, I've got I've got more people to talk to. Like I've talked to probably three people in your video, I think. And so Well, yeah. It's endless. That, yeah. The thing that was so special with that time, you know, it was a lonely time in mm -hmm. 2020. And I set up I set out to do this project without much thought. I just made a very similar film for the Chorus Line company, but that was what, maybe 20 cast members or less. Yeah. It was a much smaller project. And without thinking about it, I just put it on social media. Anyone who's ever been in the yeah. Jin Lin production, send me this footage and here's an email address. And then the video started coming in. I thought, oh, hang on, I'm going to have so many people. How am I going to make this work? So I ended up emailing other people and saying, can you send me this section, that yeah. section? And I decided I was going to do the entire Jellicle Ball. But the thing that was really special was I made sure I responded to every single person who sent me a video because it was so moving that I'd spend days downloading these videos and right at the end of the day, one more email would come through and I'd see a video of somebody in a park somewhere with a cat's tail and their wig from, I don't know, from the <laughs> 80s. And I go, somebody has spent time doing this um, for themselves, but also for me and for Gillian. And it was so special to have that. But I had this wonderful interaction with so many cast members, including a guy called Stephen Hack, who was one of the original swings on Broadway. And as soon as he found out what the project was going to be, he rounded up people like Ken Page and a lot of the original cast members in New York. And I had so many uh, wonderful emails backwards and forwards to people who would also send me pictures and videos of all the wigs they've still got and the costumes. So... I made lots of pen pals, basically, and there are still people I meet today in the city that I go up to them. I say, hey, we haven't met, but yeah. we know each other because we've spoken and you were in the film. So, um, yeah, I, I've had a few interactions in New York because of that film. That's, that's nice. so cool. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things that like for me, even hearing someone who's not been involved in it, you know, didn't do it, hasn't danced it, hasn't sung it. But to hear everyone's stories, it's like you get to hear these people reminisce and think yeah. back to a time that was really usually powerful in their life. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like a very... Uh, intense show and so you get a lot of Very. like you and you you become it's like a family at the end of it mm -hmm. so it's been really fun to like even just hear that as an outsider in yeah of all those different experiences this show is so painful and difficult to do if you don't have a great company around you mm -hmm. and i've been so fortunate that every company i've had you become a tribe you support each other and especially the first time where I had a partner, I had a rumble teaser, my friend, um, Georgie Ash, Georgie Ashford, that's another person, Georgie Leatherland, uh, a different Georgie. Um, you had your support system. So whenever you would do your makeup and stare at yourself in the mirror and go, how am I going to do two shows today? You had people around you and we'd lift each other and we'd mm -hmm. go out and we'd kill it and we'd 
do a great show every day. Yeah. And that's what makes the show so special because it's an ensemble piece. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, a tribe. It truly yeah. is a tribe. Yeah. Um, okay. I want to go back to the Wesson revival mm -hmm. because you got to perform with Street Tugger. I did. Which there's not a lot of people that get to say that. Um, <laughs> and it's a very polarizing piece of the show. So yeah. as a, I know you weren't Mustafa's back then, but I'm curious to like, as you've been Mustafa's now mm. in other productions, and there is definitely a Tugger Mustafa's dynamic. Sure. How did that dynamic differ or did it differ between a Tugger Mistopheles when it's the street Tugger versus when it's more of the traditional Tugger. And street Tugger is the nickname. It's, you know, more yeah, contemporary yeah. Tugger. But. I, so I, I don't really feel like with that version, that relationship was very strong. For me, what didn't work. No, let me just firstly say we had, I had three different street Tuggers, um, Antoine, Jack and Marcel, and they were all, um, extremely talented and brought different things to the show. However, the thing that for me that didn't work and the reason I think why they went back to the original Tugger is they had two Munger Jerry's. They made him cheeky and naughty and all those things. But he wasn't this kind of sexy mm. rock star that came on. Yeah. Which was a very different energy to Mistopheles. It's a yeah. very different energy. And I think that's why there's this kind of rivalry and then a love and there's all these different things that people look into with those two characters um especially when it, when it's quaxo and he's singing he's a terrible bore and then by act two when quaxo is now mistopheles you've got him singing his praises so there's there's all these different elements to it watching mark in london and jack and everyone working together i don't remember really seeing there being much of a dynamic really mm -hmm. between the two so it was kind of out of nowhere that tugger starts singing about him i feel like with the original version there's such a big contrast in qualities of these two characters that there's just more to read into i think yeah it's more written into it it feels like it yeah you know, especially with the instead of it just being a line it's a line but also like a, what does that line mean is it a mm. friendship is it a relationship yeah. like it's clear that there is some some bond in some way and yeah. I, i've not been able to see a street tugger performance besides you know a youtube clip of just the song you know i've been able to see a little bit of it but it's hard <laughs> to see the whole like there's not a two and a half hour version for me to watch very easily i don't think you're missing out on much uh, again the, the the actors we had playing it were all wonderful and they were so talented um it was a work in progress i think it's a work in progress that should have been workshopped and they could have discovered it doesn't work mm -hmm. it they tr when i saw the show live for the first time before i went into it I remember the disappointment of seeing all these wonderful numbers, seeing Munger Jerry, um, Munger Jerry Robert Teaser live and seeing how dynamic that number is. And then Tugger bursts through and you go, oh, I want John Partridge. Yeah. I, want, I want that guy with the big collar to come through. And the guy did a great job and he's a talented dancer and he was working so hard. But the, it's everyone's favorite cat. <laughs> so yeah. the fact that they would play with that one, it was confusing. And when I went back into the show, what was so wonderful, Gillian's world was not hip-hop, surprisingly, mm -hmm. but she worked so hard to keep adapting the number. She then eventually had us all moving more with him. So originally, we were quite static and sang at him, and then he rapped, and then he would do a solo. She kept trying to add us into the choreography more, a bit like the original number, to bring more energy. She kept trying and trying, and that was so wonderful to actually have a part of the experience where we got to see her create, as opposed to just replicate the production. Um, and she was trying so hard to make it work with him. And then, yeah, it just, it just never 
for me paid off. And so when I returned to the show with the proper Tucker, I remember getting to that number and going, oh, this is what it should be. Yeah. It, just, it just works. It's easy to look back at it now because it's like we're looking at it from later of yeah. like, all right, it didn't work. Mm. A lot of people said it didn't work and we're, we're viewing it. Whereas I, especially I would talk to, I've talked to, to Daniel who did it as that, you know, performed as that tugger. I do kind of like, you know, in the moment I probably, I'm probably not against it. Like, cause change is change. Like there's yeah. going to be people against change no matter what mm. you do. And there's some current Broadway shows that have been on for a while that have tweaked and make changes. Yeah. And there's some people still super angry at those changes. And there's some things where I'm like, you know what? That's actually probably a good little change. Well, there are also lots of changes that people, for instance, Mugger Jerry Rappertees, the original London version, mm -hmm. is very different to the one yeah. that was in the 98 film. Anyone who saw the version before the 98 film or before the Broadway production, that's the version they go, no, it should have always been yeah. that. Now, I like both. I prefer the most recent one. Um, and the shows change over the years. You know, uh, Karen came in and redesigned the makeup, which is the version yeah. we see in the 98 film. The costumes were adapted over time. So the show has morphed and changed. And I'm all for change. I'm all for, I'm all for them cutting Growl Tiger and the Siamese cats. I was definitely up for that change. And the last version I did where we did the version where Growl Tiger was cut and it went from Gus, the, the same mm -hmm. as the Broadway revival. Yeah. And it went into the Rumpus Cat, it went into Peaks and the Pollicles. I love that change. It yeah. keeps the show short and sweet, and I thought the storytelling was clear. So there are some changes over the years that I go, oh, I'm so pleased they make that change. Yep. And so I'm so pleased they tried the Rapping Tugger. I just think um, it's one of those things, it was such a big change. If you're going to change it, change the whole show. Yeah. It, was, it was just too jarring in the middle of the show. That it was, you know, it was the, it was pretty much watching the 98 film still on stage. And then suddenly there's one big element one that was thing, different. Yeah. yeah. That was such a big change. Yeah. I, that's, I, it's so fascinating to kind of like think back to it because it is, I mean, it's at that point, it's been running what, 20 years? I know more than that, maybe, yeah, maybe even more. Yeah. And so um, it is a, it's a big, a big adjustment on something that people have, yeah. but you know, they know. Whereas I think a lot of times when you make some of these tweaks early on, mm. It's like, all right, I wasn't, we weren't set on it versus now there's an entire movie. Yeah. <laughs> there's people that have been, it's recorded. It's mm -hmm. been played in every dance class for every child and sure has. in there, you know, so it's like, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. there and there's that, yeah. that piece. And I think like, you know, you even get a little bit with the new choreography, like it, that's changed, but that still sticks to the source material for the most part. Yeah. So, yeah. so that's just more of a contemporary, yeah. you know, new choreographer change. So, but even that has a lot of people that are like, there are some passionate Julian Lins is the only one I want to see ever. Well, and all I can say is I remember so clearly having these uh, rehearsals with Gillian because I think she knew this. Was, I think she was told um, at the beginning of our run that the show was going to be re-choreographed completely for Broadway. Mm -hmm. And then I think then they later brought her in. So it was a, a collaboration. But I remember before that was maybe uh, agreed upon with her, she had just seen Hamilton and I remember she came into rehearsal and she was raving about how brilliant the choreography was. So it's so the one thing I will say, anyone who, who isn't a fan, I can at least say that I'm sure that was a very hurtful experience for Gillian. And that's why a lot of people defend her, but at least she really admired Andy's work. Yeah. So I'm sure there would have been lots of lovely moments in that collaboration. Oh, sure. I, I mean, um, I mean, I wasn't in the room, so I don't know, but I do remember her raving about Hamilton 
and seeing um, the choreography. I do remember her talking about that. So um, I always hope that there was a respect. Yeah, they're two respect. brilliant people. I mean, they're two oh, brilliant choreographers. Yeah. I do think like I've, the more I've thought about it and heard more about it in general, because as someone, again, who knows nothing about, I, I've never done a choreography or anything. Um, it has to be hard in Andy's shoes even of like, oh, here's yeah. one of the most famous dance numbers ever. You want to stay true to somewhat of it. Yeah. And then put your own spin on it, but also stay true to it. You know, yeah. so it's like, it's got to be kind of hard to, and versus again, starting from scratch. Well, that's the thing. In a way, it would have been easier if they said, this is a new production, completely new set, new costumes, new the uh, new concepts. That maybe would have been even easier. Um, and yeah, it's a really difficult task, but you know, I, I think that, I think he's, I think he's also a genius. I think he's, he's, his work I've seen over the years is just amazing. And, yeah. and the way he makes the entire stage move makes the whole, yeah, I think, it, I think he's wonderful. So, um, so yeah, there will always be people who are traditionalists and in some areas I will be as well, but no, I, I also like, I, th I think we've got to always experiment. Yeah. Otherwise art just stays static. And I think we've always got to give it a chance. If it doesn't work, it doesn't eliminate what was there before. Exactly. We we can we can have a play. We can see, and if it all fails, we just go back to what it was, like they did with the tugger. Yeah. So, yep. Um, I've always related this to sports, where you know these these major sports that have happened have minor rule changes, mm. and there's a group of people that are like, oh, how'd you change baseball? Yeah. But then it's like, well, you know what? It's more entertaining now. You know, it's like yeah. there's some value of those things, and yeah, some things are going to change, and like you have to evolve with the time. And so Completely. when you're yeah. forty plus years of doing it, you have to figure out Completely. that those tweaks yeah. so I'm, yeah. I'm all for it but it's fun because i get to hear all the dissenters of it you know mm. like having this show i get to hear all the feedback and yeah as someone who d isn't knowledgeable enough to tell you any of the stuff anyways it's kind of fun to listen to all the different arguments and sure sure i'm like yeah great sure yeah that's really interesting i'm like you know my whole show is about why grizabelle is not the right jellical choice like i couldn't tell you the first thing about the choreography got you yeah yeah <laughs> so let's talk about the uh, international tour. So you're in yeah. overseas. I mean, you're in China. and Yeah. I've heard a little bit about different audience. Like you've had extremely different audience mm -hmm. demographics, basically, of being in the West End, yeah. being overseas, and then being in Atlanta, you know, like outside Atlanta. Yeah. Um, what did you notice about reception? Because, I mean, it's still a widely, like everyone loves this show. Like if people are coming or... Mm -hmm. are floored by it but i've heard that there are some like nuances to audience like behaviors and re reactions in, uh, yeah. in the different places you've done it well i would say china was the most interesting because from city to city because china is so huge we saw such a huge difference and we opened up the culture center in shanghai which is you know, a very beautiful modern theater that has operas and ballets and touring companies coming in so they're very used to uh, international companies coming in mm. and they were a very polite audience. They were very polite, mm -hmm. not very loud at the end. They would go crazy, but throughout the show, it would, you felt like you're in a library. There yeah. were, it was like dead silence before the show would start. There was just no atmosphere. It was just very, and then our second venue on the tour was Wuhan and we were in this crumbly, beautiful, but broken down old theater mm. where there was maybe one Western toilet working backstage <laughs> and we were going, Oh God, what's this place going to be like? And it was the best audience I think we've ever had with the show wow. because it was like a rock concert. Yeah, We came out at the beginning to do, you know, the green eyes, the flashing eyes during the overshore. And I remember the place going crazy. I remember during Mistopheles, all the very basic tricks, like the can that pops out with all the silk. 
the audience gasping and clapping and cheering. And I felt like, oh, this is like, I don't know. I felt like an audience who weren't familiar with it, who were taking it in through fresh eyes, which was so exciting to perform it that way, where it wasn't people going, oh, I love this moment. Oh, I know this bit coming up. It was people naturally reacting to what they were seeing for the first time. There may be some people there who were cat fans, but um, in general, it felt like a very, very real uh, experience, like a fresh new experience. Um, so yeah, no, it was for me that was the biggest difference. West End was lively; it was yeah. great. You know, we knew what to expect there. I kind of, I mean, it's such an interesting like example of that because I've thought. Not not that extreme, but you know when when you hear about tours in the U.S. even, mm. you know we're sitting here in New York where yeah. we're what are we ten minutes not even up for like three subway stops from anything you want to see basically yeah. and a bunch of stuff that's amazing that you know is is extremely high quality something that's like really offbeat but you've got every version of theater here sure and then you go to these small towns in mm-hmm. rural America and they get two shows a year, three shows a year, mm-hmm. maybe. And it's whatever's touring, which means that it's been successful enough to yeah. have a tour um, versus maybe something that's a little bit more edgy and, and trying mm-hmm. here that you can catch in New York. And so I think that I'm curious if like, that sounds like that's what was happening too when you're traveling out international. Sure. Like, they might, they might not have ever seen this. They probably don't have the VHS. Mm-hmm. They, yeah. this is the first time they're seeing it at all. And maybe that, that theater doesn't get much in general. And so yeah. they're, you know, this is the the outing. Well, we would find a lot of the fans who, or people who either were fans from previous Cats tours, because obviously the show had been to China before, True, but yeah, maybe yeah. hadn't played certain venues. I'm not sure if it had been to Wuhan before. Um, but a lot of the fans would travel from Shanghai to Beijing to Nanjing. They would travel around and see the show numerous times. Um, so we would have a fan base who would, you know, be repeat viewers um, who would come over and over. So we, we would have that fan base who maybe would bring that energy with them. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, no, it was so exciting. But, um, the audiences in Atlanta were amazing as well. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back for more of The Wrong Cat Died. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tell me about Atlanta. Yeah, it was great. It was it was a great, beautiful, huge theatre. The City Springs Theatre Company, the Bias Theatre, um, and it's beautiful. It's stunning. I was it was such a perfect uh, first job um, in the states. Amazing facilities, and the head of marketing asked me for a photo of me as Mistopheles. So I had a picture I had taken on my phone backstage with my face in the mirror. 
And he was very, very clever and took this photo from my iPhone and he blew it up and it was on a huge billboard right outside the theatre. And he did a lot of photoshopping to it, so you couldn't tell that it was a photo just from my phone. But it was hilarious walking in every day and seeing this huge picture of my face as Mistopheles. You were um, on a, a billboard? Like yeah, a it was, well, it was a screen side. that we tried oh, okay. to take. Uh, okay. I would swap in with other adverts, but uh, it was literally by the theatre. So, of course, I had a very, very loudly, you know, shout, oh, this is so embarrassing. That's my face. Just yeah, so everyone yeah. would turn around <laughs> and, and look at it. Um, but yeah, no, it was great. And we had a mix of people who, uh, you know, there were a few people who'd done the show before. Caitlin Bond, who I think mm-hmm, had the show. Had on, yeah. uh, she came back and she was uh, the Victoria and uh, a few other people who did other regional productions. Um, so yeah, but also it was nice to come in with a company who didn't know the show and we all yeah. had to find it in our own way. That wasn't necessarily the same process as doing the traditional version, but there was new ways and Bayok added new things and she, we did this very, very uh, entertaining day, well, actually very interesting day where we sat around in a circle for the afternoon and we all came up with our backstories of our cat and where they come from. And it actually, in a way, it was very interesting to see where people's minds went. Some people's, I mean, the guy playing McCavity, his story was deep. I can't remember it now, but <laughs> it was fascinating to see where people's minds go when they really get to think about it. And mm-hmm. they really take the text and what they have and go, how can I pull this apart? Okay, well, what could this tell me? And and it was very interesting to hear people come up with ideas. And it, it yeah, so it, it was it was interesting. And then we had Jacob come in who gave a lot of his own backstories that some I had heard, some I hadn't. And yeah. You know, there were different versions. So it was interesting to, to, uh, yeah. That was, that was probably the first time. And this now explains this because I didn't realize that that's how that went. I, I recorded with Jacob and we talked for an hour plus. Yeah. And we could have went for two more. Oh, yeah. And I, I, I want to have him back at some point. Like, I feel like I need you to have, have to. I He's... need another round of questions. I, but I, I want him one day to play Gus. Yes. That'd be full circle. He's ready. We, we, he's, he's not ready yet. He's not oh, there not, yet. Not yet. But I said to him, um, because when I saw he put on Facebook that he was going to be returning to the junkyard and I was about to do the show and I messaged him, I said, is this the one in Atlanta? And he said, yes. And in my head, because Bayok was directing it, I thought, I wonder if he's going to be in it. Maybe he's going to yeah. play Buster for Jones. And, and so I said, are you in it? And then he said, no, no, I'm going to be, uh, you know, assisting and teaching, uh, Jillian's work, which he did amazingly, he, you know, he, he he hadn't taught the show for ten years and it's all there. Like he, oh, it, it was, it, 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 even yeah. talking to him, it's like he didn't. Re- he remembered every, yeah. everything. And um, so that was wonderful. But uh, but yeah. Um, what was I saying? Um, well, I was gonna say that was the first time I had been tipped off of like you know I've been doing this for four years now. I mm. mean over four years now, and I've always kind of like you know there's a good listener base and it's fun and I know people listen to it, but I never really. Like I've been joking, I want to influence the show. Like I want to influence the show and yeah. get people to make a different jellical choice and you know, kind of the humor of that. But mm. also like rethinking through there's forty years of telephone. I call it cat's telephone. Yeah. Which is there's not a there's not one right answer for a lot of these things. And so no. that was the first time that I had somebody actually message me and was like, people are listening to your show to hear from the other characters who have played the show mm. to try to figure out the backstory. So it's like they're they're using previous episodes. Yeah. That's to say like, okay, yeah. here's how this Bombay Arena thought about being Bombay Arena. This how this person, Mungo Jerry, thought about being Mungo Jerry. And that was like and, eye-opening to me. Yeah, and actually, no, it's just true, actually, because I, I actually listened to Jacob's uh, uh, recording um, with you during the rehearsal process. I, I remember seeing his name come up, and I was like, oh, I, I better have a listen and see yeah. what else he has to say. 
But also the thing I do recall him saying is sometimes people read into things like you'd watch and go, why is Pounceful interacting with Cassandra at this point? And maybe they've got this relationship and actually maybe they were just whispering each other's ears something silly and they yeah. were just joking around. But sometimes we look into everything. But that's what I think is so wonderful about the show is there is so much room for interpretation mm -hmm. and that's what can keep it very very fresh and chrissy cartwright i need to give a big shout out to chrissy chrissy has been teaching the show in the uk international tours south korea i want to say since its second year in london i think she joined then and she ha i mean anyone who's done the show who's british has worked with chrissy she's yeah. just extraordinary and the way she teaches the show with so much care love but she also allows you to find it for yourself for instance say if you're doing i don't know you're in the middle of gus or one of these numbers she doesn't dictate where you have to sit on the juncture she lets mm. you find your place she gives you some encouragement she gives you some some guidance but she allows you to find it but also she wants the show to always look the best so for, for me with mistopheles i'm a left turner i do everything to the left i can do it to the right so the rest of the show i have to do everything to my bad side so I can do it both sides, luckily, but it got to the Mistopheles number and I said, can I turn to the left here? Can I turn to the, can I do my coupe jetés around the stage? Can I go to the left? And she was like, yeah, let's change it. So she allowed me to change the number. So I think I'm the only person I, from what I can see, who has done pretty much the entire number on the opposite side because she wants the, num the, the show to always look as best as it can. Um, so I have to give a big shout out to her, but she really, uh, she gives you the information on each character, but she does give you the space to discover it for yourself. Mm -hmm. So my manga Jerry was very different to Ben Yates, who was just before me, who was wonderful. And it's different to other manga Jerry's I've seen. My Skimbleshanks was very different, uh, was very different from Evan, who I understudied. He played it Welsh and he was wonderful. And I played mine a little bit more like Rex Harrison, very, very <laughs> clipped. And I guess probably sounded like Stewie from Family Guy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, so Chrissy really has looked after the show beautifully for so many years, but she does, she allows that space and she allows that interpretation. So yeah, I, there is no right or wrong answer, but sometimes it's interesting for someone to plant those thoughts in your head because it makes you go, oh, I've never thought of it this way. Mm -hmm. And I mean, the question I've had a million times is, Mungo Jerry and Robert Teaser, are they siblings? Are they yeah. are they flirting? I mean, our version was definitely it was definitely very flirty and that kind of way. So we try to not see them as siblings. Um, but I've also seen versions where they are more like, you know, brother and sister having a bit of banter and playfulness. So yes, there's lots of interpretation. Well, and I think there has to be because and I think that's like I firmly believe that that's why the show is so successful, is because mm -hmm. the, it isn't so this person has to go and do it this way and this thing at this moment. Like there uh -huh. is enough space that you get to like, it doesn't, the core doesn't change, but mm -hmm. there's enough that you get to have fun and you can do it eight times a week without it being a, you know, a complete drain Yeah, and have those tweaks. And then it's also, I think it's what adds to the lore because you get a lot of conversations that you probably don't get if you don't have like our bomb and Demeter sisters or not, or friends or not. And there's like sure, a pretty yeah. mixed bag on some of these thoughts of what they are. And the, it's coming from one book, a poem. Mm -hmm. There's not that much written word on it. Like there's not, there's not an answer for that unless someone who originally created it in the eighties decided to, I'm going to add, here's exactly what I did. I firmly believe they didn't think through most of those things. Like no one thought that there's yeah. a lot of questions I've asked that I'm convinced nobody thought about when they first did the show. And that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. And that's what makes it fun. 
completely um and it keeps it interesting for so many fans who watch the show over and over because there will always be new dynamics yep. and you know actually in a way i said about the street tugger being more like a manga jerry because he was cheeky when antoine was still with the show in rehearsals um who had been in the production just before uh the, the played in i remember doing all the improv sections and having so much fun with him on stage because that that's why there was a different interaction because you suddenly had two people who were very cheeky who wanted to mess around we wanted yeah. to tie people's tails to the set and we had two people who were very naughty as opposed to tiger having a different energy but you know i think for fans to uh or audience members to see the show and just look in for new dynamics. And uh, I think that's what keeps it interesting and why mm -hmm. the show will always be different. I went to see the show. The last time I watched the show was in South Korea. Um, my girlfriend is the Rumble. Well, she was the Rumble teaser on that tour that also went to Taiwan. And it was just before I did the show in Atlanta. And it was so wonderful with some space to go back and rewatch it. And again, people brought their own energy, their different flavor to each character. And it was so interesting to see that and i i remember at one point someone said to her oh you should play it more like this mm -hmm. and i was thinking no why should you have to play yeah, it like yeah. this just because you liked the way somebody else yeah. did it the way she did it was wonderful and and she was fantastic so there you know there's there's um there's always room for interpretation there's always room for interpretation which is so nice as a performer to yeah. have that yeah yeah so your version of mungo jerry and rebel are definitely flirty because it's your girlfriend and you played well, oh, yeah. she she wasn't. Uh, the, <laughs> I know you didn't yeah, do it together, but. but yeah, I I I always thought it was that. Yeah, and yeah, because also there's loads of bits in choreography where he's checking her out. So I never saw it as a sibling thing. The only thing that makes you think that is maybe because they look similar, yeah. the same makeup. But yeah, I just my thing is people always I don't know. There's just saying that people say you you end up being attracted to someone who has something about them that might be looking like yourself. There might be a Yes, yeah. I've heard people say that before, and you go, "Okay, um, maybe that's what, why they're drawn together, is they look similar." But I'd like to think that they're they are not siblings. There's a, yeah, there's a bit more flirting involved and the, cheekiness. The most recent people I've talked to who have done that have all said that. So yeah, have, have, it's not been brother sisters and answer more. There are plenty of others where it's a fifty fifty split. Sure, um, and I've heard all across the board. But um, I do what that leads me to my the question I do want to ask is. What are some of the other relationships over the, like maybe where you saw some differences between your three productions of where mm -hmm. like this was a really strong duo that maybe didn't play as much in this one or some of those like different nuances having done it in three versions? Ooh. Um, I'm just trying to think because, well, I can talk about, from my point of view with Tugger, Obviously, I, I mean, as Mistopheles um, from the international tour and in Atlanta, there was definitely more in the recent one. Uh, we had uh, Spencer Dean playing uh, Tugger in, in Atlanta. And in his number, there was a lot more sassiness between the two of us. Mm. There was a lot more. It was very, very, it, it was more than just an eye roll. It was yeah. very much like I was fed up of having around. It was, it was, it, that was a much bigger thing. But we also became. Uh, the Mistopheles number became more of a double act in many ways because we interacted a bit more in the combination and there were a few more moments where he would be involved. So it was very much like we were raising each other up as opposed to suddenly Tugger, which I always find it out of place. He's so narcissistic and then suddenly he completely hands it over yeah. to Mistopheles. And for me, a nice moving moment, if it works, 
is when old Deuteronomy appears and you think he could easily take credit. Yeah. And he goes, a cat's a, um, a, cat's a clever as, and he points over to Magical Mr. Misophiles. And I used to always play that as, is he going to give it to me? And yeah. if not, it's fine because he's, you know, he's humble and he won't take, but he gives that moment and it's a lovely turning point for Tugger to kind of say, no, no, this wasn't all me. I brought him here, but he's the person who hmm. saved you and he's the one who saved us all. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, it was fun to, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think what differences are though. Cause I, then again, I guess me and George had a similar dynamic, but George very much, he sang the number brilliantly, but then he would kind of give me the space to do my Mustafa's mm-hmm. thing as it was less of a double act. He was like, he would then take a step back and, 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 and Mistopheles would dance and then he would step in. But yeah, me and Spencer, we had a few more moments throughout. Um, so it was kind of like, he was kind of, he was, you know, egging me on. He was cheering, you know, cheering me on throughout, but, um, we had a few more interaction. I'm trying to think though. I'm just trying to think what differences there were. Hmm. I know later on, I'll probably think of a bunch <laughs> of things, but. Well, let's, but yeah. let's go to some rapid fire then. Yeah. Um, if you, I mean, you've been in multiple productions, you've played a couple cats. Um, if you could go on one day, any cat, any character, male, female, one night, who would you want to perform as? One day, Gus. Gus. One day, Gus. Um, I'd love to go back and play Skimble. That's something I'd love to do is to go back because I only went on once. I need to do one performance. One time. And it was, I was literally rabbit caught in the headlights. I had so much fun. I got the call. The guy that I understudied would never call out. He would just mm-hmm. never did. And then eventually they signed him off. He had an ankle injury. And um, so I was not ever expecting to go on. I'd done my homework. But so when I got this phone call saying, and I just arrived at the theater, I was about to suck my Mungo Jerry makeup. And they said, right, you're on tonight. I went, okay, okay. <laughs> so luckily he was so sweet and he FaceTimed me or whatever we had at the time. And uh, he he spoke, he, he he said, do you want me to talk through you? And he thinks, oh, well, that's really kind. So yeah, he was on a, on FaceTime while I did my makeup and he, he, he spoke through any changes that had happened in the show that I may have not been told about because they had lots of rehearsals where they wouldn't invite the understudies or wouldn't want mm. the understudies there. So therefore we would go, we don't know what's, like the whole Growl Tiger number changed and there was a whole pirate number. They had changed it and I kept saying, please, can you give me a rehearsal? Because I'm backstage quick changing into the Siamese costumes and I never get to see it. So I had no clue what they did because I was always backstage changing. And so he luckily spoke through the entire number with me. Um, so somehow it went well, I got through it and I had a great time. So I'd love to go back and do that properly and do a run. And also it's a much easier role physically yeah. <laughs> um, on the body than Mistopheles. Yeah. And I think it would be, a, and it's still a fun number. So I'd love to do that, but I'd love to do Gus because it's the number I may have skipped by on the VHS when I was a kid. But what I love now is the simplicity. And it's one of the few moments where you, everyone sits still and you listen Mm -hmm. to T.S. Eliot. You listen to some very, very funny lines and very, very funny lyrics. And I just think it's beautiful. I, my, I come from an acting family and, you know, I'm forever hearing my dad talking about various friends of his who are of a certain age and they may become quite forgetful and then suddenly you get them onto the right topic and then they're, it's yeah. as if they're 30 years old again. And it's so moving when I think about those people because I like, I'd like to think, yeah, I'd love to draw some of that and add that into it. I also did the show with um, Barry Hayward 
who was he started the show at the New London Theatre and um as one of the singers. This is when they had booth singers before they even had the mm-hmm. screens doing it. Then eventually, towards the end of the run, they brought him over to be a old Duke Gus standby. So he ended the London Palladium run as the standby. Then he did every single UK tour, international tour. He then did the first Palladium run and then came back to the Palladium with us again. And he was part of the furniture. It was like everyone is yeah. Barry because he's done every single production, always understudying old Jute and Gus. And then the final time he did it was with me in China and the Philippines and Singapore. And I shared a dressing room with him in Singapore, which was amazing. It was me, uh, Joe Henry, the Munger Jerry and Barry. And his Gus, although he brought lots of his own thoughts and ideas to it, whenever he would do something, I go, I love the way you do that. That's really funny. Or the way you hold that and it always gets a big laugh. He'd always go, oh, I can't take full responsibility. Uh, Tony Timberlake did that. Or, uh, was, you know, this person did that. And he would list of all the people over the years he's understudied. And he would always give them credit to the moments. But his version of Gus over the years was drawing in from all the wonderful other actors hmm. he had seen. And plus his own flair on top. And it was so beautifully moving. It was the right balance. It was no impersonation. It was his own. But he had drawn all the others. And I feel like over the years, I've seen my fair share of Gus's. So I feel like, I've, I feel like oh, there's a few things I'm like, oh, I know these bits work. So I'd yeah. like to have a go at that. You'll be ready. Uh, Run one day. Yeah. One day. Yeah. I think you're, the 98 movie part's really interesting too, because it's a little, as a kid, especially probably easier to skip over. Mm. I think it's also a little different because the, the Gus was of yeah. very old, famous. He was blind at the time. Like it's a, it is much yeah. more of like a so Gus John Mills, in, yeah. yeah, John Mills, but, Gus in like Gus's element. Like it was like a much more true. This yeah. guy's on his last leg. He died shortly after, I think. Mm. Um, so it is a very different than like, you know, you get a yeah. young theater performer who not young, but like someone who's still mm. with it enough to be able to dance and do that. Whereas he pretty much walked up there saying in song and then they sat him back down. And he was when I look back at it, it's it's such a beautiful performance. Yeah. It's so real it's yeah. so real and that's what's so wonderful about it it's 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 him in a cat costume but it's john mills being of an actor of that caliber of that yeah. age and it's 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 so beautifully done but yeah i think at the age that i first watched it i just wanted to see um <laughs> the jellicle ball and i wanted to see tugger come back on you know yeah, so, definitely uh, but i do you know i think it's a re- and i've seen some wonderful performers do it over the years mm-hmm. um and the audience always gets uh, you know the, the the energy changes. I think they they start and they think, oh, what's going to happen? Yeah. And by the time he comes back on to sing again, or he they think he's done, and he has one more thing to say. The audience always laugh. They're always, in, you know, no matter what language I I see the show in, they're always won around by Gus. He's got so much heart, and so many people identify with Gus, whether that's them personally or they have a grandparent or yep. they know somebody. And yeah, it's. Yeah, it's it's a really moving moment. So I think one day, hopefully not too soon i don't yeah. think i look quite old enough just yet maybe a lot you of got some time you yeah. got some time but i'm i'm convinced the show will still be going by the time you're ready to do it i hope so yeah. i hope so i yeah it will i don't know what form it will be yeah, in sure. at that point but i i hope so i think it'll be a lovely full circle one day so yeah. who are your favorite and least favorite cats characters take out performers <laughs> uh i mean i'm gonna say mistopheles is a favorite okay i'm gonna say that as a favorite but that's mainly because um it's a common answer. It's not, yeah. It's... There's just something otherworldly and magical mm-hmm. all the way through. Um, love Rumble Teaser. 
Do you love Rumble Teaser? Um, there might be some influence. I on love that. Jenny Any Dots. She's yes, there is some influence. <laughs> I guess uh, Jenny Any Dots is always adorable and and so much fun. It's got to be Tugger. Everyone loves Tugger. Yeah, real, real Tugger. The uh, and what about tugger. what about dislike? Dislike Genghis because it just was very inappropriate. The uh, Siamese, the leader of the Siamese. Yeah. Cats. Okay. So definitely that because that always felt uncomfortable doing. Yeah. Um. So I'm glad that version is no longer being done. Um. Do you know what? I don't have a least favorite cat. I think that all. They all bring something to the show. And that's the mm-hmm. thing is, you know, we have done cut shows where you have to cut one of the twins or you have to cut something. Every single person in every production I've done, even if the show goes ahead and it's a wonderful show, the show will be different if that person isn't on stage. Yeah. And every character brings an element, whether that's Alonzo, who's a bit more, you know, snooty and a bit more um, stuck up, or you've got Cassandra, who's elegant and mysterious, you know, whoever it is, they bring something to the show, that character is very much part of the tribe. So there's no one I dislike. So I, so the way I look at this question, because I agree with you, I think that they, they all, they all have a place, Mm -hmm. but I look at it as like, you got your family, which is the one that like, who's the family member who kind of, (laughs) who kind of bugs you a little bit, like just personality. One has to kind of not, you know, that, you know, you need them, you know, you love them still, but which one is like, all right, I I could, I've had enough of this cat for the tonight. Oh, uh, the one that I think you can kind of get rid of is, is Bustafer. Yeah. Okay. Because he, he he interrupts the party for a moment, then he disappears. He doesn't bring anything else to it. He's not there at the end, you know. Obviously, because that actor becomes someone else. Um, but he just comes in for his moment, and then then disappears. Mm-hmm. He goes off to another tribe to eat food there, and you know to to. But he comes in and he shows off, and then he leaves. So for me, he's sort of a lovely character that everyone loves having around because he's a bit of fun. But he's one I think you could also. Yeah. You, if you had to cut a number, you could cut that quite easily. He, and, and he was cut from the cruise, so I think I heard that. Yeah, yeah. Um, not originally. I think no, they, they, they did the full thing, but then they had to. Yeah. They realized that you can't have an intermission in a show no one pays for, um, which makes sense. Yeah, yeah, so it does make sense. Uh, favorite song. This is going to be a weird one. I actually love Old Deuteronomy. Mm, okay, but mainly the instrumental version in the ball. I love the vocal areas of it. I, I love the way the cast sing and I love I love that moment. But there's something that I always find it takes me back to my childhood is hearing and it's the it's the ballet section that uh yeah. the Huntsball of Kabakati do with Mistopheles. And every night I'd love dancing to that because it felt like I was jumping back into my six year old mind yeah. hearing that. But it's just something beautiful about the way that's played and and then, you know, the movie version where they played it with that huge orchestra hearing that music being played like that it's for me it's that i you know as a full number there's lots of wonderful numbers i do love Monty j rob teaser i think it's a great number um but for me that piece of music is the bit that always moves me mm-hmm. i think it's a really beautiful melody so i yeah. do love the old deuteronomy melody yeah yeah all right most important question i've argued at length i don't think grizabelle's the choice so do you want to defend her or are you going to vote for somebody else Okay, there's a few things. I think Mistopheles gets a real bum deal. He has been brought over. He is dressed up in all the sequins. He has just raised a cat from the dead. Or he <laughs> saved that cat from death. He has done some pretty amazing things. And just as he's just finished this big number and danced for 12 to 15 minutes, 
Grizz comes over and just decides just to like she's sneaking that at the last minute and she just decides to you know steal his thunder so i used to always be bitter i mean luckily i was very naughty i used to crawl off the stage during memory and die in the wings um <laughs> so i used to always play into the fact that i would be obviously when they would all greet her as she's going to the heaviside lair i would have some understanding for Grizz, and i would i would be supportive of it but i think in my mind as stuff leaves i'd be going you're kidding me. I've literally, I waited to the last second so I can jump in there and, and steal the show tonight and, and be the delicate choice. And then she would just jump in right after me. How dare she? So yes, that, that would be my, um, so you're, you're voting from a staff I love well, it. From a selfish point of view. Yes. Because I, for any Mistoffies around the world, that's such a hard number, but also as a character, you think, come on, you just saved you. Oh, do me? However, putting that aside, putting the selfish, side um section aside or side myself aside um i would go for gus because he um he's not i don't think he ex- he would expect it i think he's such a sweet soul who has lived his life and he's so he celebrates his life and he you know he'd be very happy to mm-hmm. say that was a wonderful life i had and, and disappear but i think because of that i think he deserves a second opportunity i just don't think he would be desperate for it he wouldn't do anything to make it happen yeah if anything he's kind of encouraged by by jelly she brings him out and she sits him down and she starts to tell everyone it's like no you need to hear about him yeah and i think even years before even if he was you know a younger version of himself i don't think he would unless people really egged him on and said come on you know they would take him to the pub as they say in the song and he would sit around and he would start telling his stories. I think he would be the person who would go, oh, yeah, yeah, I've done a few plays, but, you know, he would be humble. He yeah. would, and I think it takes someone to go, no, 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 come on, you have something to add to us, you have something to offer. Um, and so I would still go, f- I would go for Gus. I think Gus, and I think when we did the show in Atlanta, hearing Jacob talking about it more often, I was more persuaded. I thought, mm, actually, yes, Gus um, would be a great choice. So I keep tallies. Am I putting down Mustafa's or Gus for you? Put Gus down for me. Okay, okay. I can put 1A, 1B, but I do... I'm keeping a running total, and, you know, I'm keeping track, and I'm I'm happy that Gus is catching up. Yeah. Do, do many people stick to Grizz? Oh, yeah. I mean, she has half the votes. She has about half of I mean, it's difficult voted. because, yeah, I, I look, after Gus, I, obviously Grizz would be the other choice. Um, if But that's my opinion. However, for the show to work, it has to be Grizz. So that's... So I'm going with Gus, but I understand the format of the show. It has to be Grizz because it gives you hope for redemption. Yeah. Any mistakes you've made in your life, and I'm sure people have gone into detail about all the backstories on uh, Grizz. Oh, totally. You've heard everything. Um, I, I, I get the Grizz story. And there's yeah. no doubt that like I it oh, was written, you know, it's it's not a someone yeah. didn't just decide randomly to pick one. Like there's an arc for this. Mm. It doesn't make me happy. Do, do, do you know the story about the opening night in London? No. So there was a bomb scare at the theatre. Do you know about this? No, I don't okay. think I so, have. So um, there, it was during the uh, the IRA um, IRA bombings, yeah. and there was a bomb scare. They got a call saying we believe there's a bomb at the New London. I think that I may be giving the story slightly incorrect, but I'm pretty sure this is all right. And this was happening during Act Two, and they were thinking, right, we need to evacuate the building, but we're so close to the end. The critics, the audience, they need to hear memory. Mm-hmm. As soon as we get to the end of the show, we tell everyone to leave the theatre straight away. 
And they just said, if we don't get to this moment, we've got no shot. We've, we're not going to have a hit. They have to get to memory because it's the big turning yeah. point. And anyway, they get to memory. The place erupts, goes crazy. Elaine Page, wonderful, wonderful. And as everyone runs off stage at the end of Naming of Cats, or sorry, ad- uh, addressing of Cats, they call Brian Blessed aside, who's playing Old Deuteronomy. They said, right, as soon as the curtain call's done, you have to stop everyone and say, please evacuate the building. We need to stop straight away. Anyway, the cast come out and they do their bows one at a time. Bill Bailey, Cassandra, whoever. And Brian Blessed eventually runs out and orders a cheering. He puts his hands up to say, you know, stop clapping. And they cha- they shout and cheer and clap even more. And he puts his hands up again and they- eventually he stops them. And by this point, he gets silenced. He doesn't know what to say. And he just says, there's a bomb in the building. Everyone get out. Oh. Brian Bless is dressed up as a cat and he shouted, there's a bomb in the building, everyone get out. And then, of course, there's panic and everyone starts running and screaming and running out the building. So (laughs) that was the way the opening night went, but they had to get past memory. Jeff Shankly, apparently, who was the original manga strap, left the theatre in his cat costume and thought, well, I'm not going to go to the opening night party now. So he decided to get in the car, apparently, in his cat costume. He went home and then he came back the next day and returned his costume. Um, so apparently that's how the first night went, but it was so important for them to get to memory otherwise. Mm-hmm. And the thing that's interesting with this show is people talk about the I Want song in a musical. And for anyone who doesn't know what that is, that's um, Cinderella sitting on a, I don't know, on a piece of wood somewhere singing My Own Little Corner or Eliza singing Wouldn't It Be Lovely. It would be the Hope song. It's the song of what would I like by the end of this show? Or what does this character strive for? Cats is full of I am songs. And that's the biggest difference with this show compared to lots of others. There's not necessarily an I want song. But Grizz has the the storyline that has a finish to it. And she has the, you know, beginning, middle and end. She's come in. You see that no one wants her there. You see that she sticks it out. And by the end of it, you see how the audience, uh, the cast and the characters react to her. So she has that through line. So without that, you haven't got a show. Yeah. Um, so from a creative point of view, I would say Grizzabella, but I would still vote for Gus because I think he's a beautiful character. I love it. I, we're going to keep Gus as a vote, but I I have softened on my stance a little bit of the over time of this of like, I'm not. I can get it. I can get behind it. But, sure. <laughs> um, well, this has been absolutely amazing. How awesome. can people stay in touch with you on social media? Yeah, uh, give me a follow on Instagram. I'm Harry R. Francis, and you'll see lots of cats videos on there. Yeah. Um, when we were in Atlanta, I did one where there were five of us who had uh, appeared in a chorus line with Biork. And so we came in early one day and we, we did the entire opening combination, but in our cat's costume on the junkyard. <laughs> and I think all the cats fans were very confused, but kind of loved it. So, yeah. so that video is up there. But yeah, give me a follow and you may see lots of other cats pictures and videos over the years so amazing yeah. well thanks so much for being here sharing stories oh, great you. amazing uh stories to hear from you and uh i hope everyone enjoyed this this has been fun and thanks everyone for listening to this episode of the wrong cat died the podcast breakdown of the cast ashfee to follow along you can subscribe on apple podcast spotify or any else listen to podcast follow us on twitter instagram tiktok and threads at the wrong cat died or check our website thewrongcatdied.com
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.